As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the In Session Film Podcast. Welcome to this week's extra film segment for August 3rd, 2017. I am Brendan Cassidy, and as always, thank you everyone for joining us this week. If you're not familiar with our extra film segment, this is something we do every Friday where we get together to talk about some of the small films, the art house films, independent films, and even some of the classics that we just don't really have time for on the main show. And we have two strong female-led films to discuss this week. We will be discussing last weekend's action flick, Atomic Blonde, starring Charlize Theron, and the Netflix original film, The Incredible Jessica James, starring Jessica Williams. Now, if you're regular listeners of the Incession Film Podcast, specifically our extra film segment here, you may notice that I'm still talking and may be thinking, where's Vince? Where's JD? Well, I'm actually co-hostless this week. Vince is off on vacation in the Bahamas, and JD is off to, well, not the Bahamas. He's going to Ohio. He's specifically going to see our good friend Nate Parsons as they partake in some concert festivities, specifically going to see the one and only Hans Zimmer in concert. Needless to say, I don't think I'm going to be hearing from these guys anytime soon. They get to have all the fun while I'm left picking up the bill this week. So I've decided I deserve a little bit of fun too. And in order to do that, I'm being joined by my number one fan, the great one and only Timothy Costa from the First Time Watchers podcast. Tim, thanks for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure, of course, and you pretty much have fulfilled my dreams in just the two of us <laughs> being on a on a podcast together. Has alone. this has this happened before? I think I've at least joined one of your shows, and it was just you and I at one point. I can't quite remember. Uh, I don't know. I I think uh, we've always had a third wheel, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, uh, when when I've asked you on, but uh, hashtag no pants. <laughs> the dreaded hashtag, not the dreaded hashtag, the one and only hashtag that defines our relationship. So if this is the first time you and I are on a show together while it's just us. Well, sometimes great things have very big beginnings in this case, and hopefully it leads to something new and something great going forward. Anyway, thank you for being here again, though, man. Really appreciate the short notice coming on to help fill in for JD and Vince this week. Should be a lot of fun as we discuss Atomic Blonde and the incredible Jessica James. So without further ado, let's get into it. And here we go.
you're listening to the Inception Film Podcast Extra Film Segment. Tim, I didn't think you would show. I look for pleasure in the details. I didn't think that you would show. Story on the rocks. You pay attention. I look for pleasure in the details. Speaking of which, I've been dying to ask you a question. Let's go someplace quiet. All right, Atomic Blonde is directed by David Leach, one half of the John Wick directing team, and it stars Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, John Goodman, Toby Jones, Sophia Boutella, and a few others as well. Quite a great cast in this film. Atomic Blonde came out last week, and we're finally getting the chance to catch up with it. It tells the story of an undercover MI6 agent who was sent to Berlin during the Cold War to investigate the murder of a fellow agent and recover a missing list of double agent, also known as a knock list. Now, I want to toss it to you first to get your thoughts on this film. You already have a podcast out reviewing this at First Time Watchers, so I want to take the time to say to our listeners, if you haven't had the chance to listen to that be sure to go t- uh, drop everything you do and check out their thoughts it really is a great conversation but for those that haven't listened to that show why don't you tell us tim what did you think about atomic blonde well i up front i really liked it i really enjoyed it you know it's not without its flaws mo- mostly from the storytelling perspective uh mm. but i don't think that is what this movie is about you know it's it's really about watching Charlize Theron kick butt, you know, and she, (laughs) she does it, uh, spectacularly. I, you know, while I was watching this movie, I kept thinking to myself, this is art. I'm watching art because David Leach is taking what he had, you know, in his uh, career, you know, he's a stunt coordinator, stunt advisor, and he brought that on to the John Wick series and it showed beautifully in those two films, you know, uh, his, his eye for uh, action detail. And he brings this over while also, I think, making it its own set piece, its own unique, uh, um, you know, vehicle for Charlize Theron and Mm -hmm. not really copying a lot that we saw in the John Wick series. Right. You know, he continues his eye for camera placement when it comes to uh, us being able to watch the action um, and watch the fight scenes and how they develop and how they play out. Mm. Uh, and, And just the fact that I don't know. Uh, it, it's just a, a a brilliantly staged set piece. Uh, you know, multiple set pieces. You right. know, it's it's very much in line with a lot of uh, '80s action films. I think when it comes sure. to how much action there is in there, because a lot of modern action films will just have, you know, uh, constant set pieces that don't allow you to breathe. You know, and mm. and in this, you know, I think it's an homage almost to some 80s and maybe early 90s action films where there is a lot of story to fill in the blanks. 
uh, for the better or the worse. Uh, but when the action scenes uh, come about, they are just super impressive. They are really, really impressive. Yeah, uh, there's a word that you used in your review there, and in fact, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, on your letterbox review, you only had one word there to describe this film, and that was art. And I have to agree with a lot of that because just from a vi- from a visual angle, every single shot in Atomic Blonde, every maneuver behind the camera is almost something you could frame on your wall. I think it's I think it's that good, and I think the craftsmanship here is. It's it's something you really don't see in a lot of action films these days, at least done with this type of precision. And I and you referenced a lot of films that are just or film types, I guess you know maybe late ad, late eighties action films, perhaps even some of those same action films that transitioned into the early nineties as well. There is definitely a influence to the not maybe not necessarily just the aesthetic to those films, but the energy of those films and how the the story there is really just there to fill in the blanks of sorts, as you said. That those are definitely apparent but somehow Atomic Blonde feels like its own thing. When when I was sitting there watching this, I felt like I hadn't seen anything like this in this way. The editing in particular, I think, is really well done here. The sound editing, I think, is even better. I love the use of music, and it's something that I think could have gone horribly wrong and been very distracting, but I never thought it crossed that line. I thought it did a great job in doing so. I also respect this film a lot that kind of takes its time to get moving. As it's advertised, it's kind of being advertised as as like a female John Wick of sorts. And it has a lot more on its mind that I do want to get to. And I respect that about this film in a lot of ways. Mm. Now, I will say, and something you also hinted on, the film is not without its flaws. And I think the only thing that prevents me from loving this film mostly comes down to its script, which I don't think really comes together in the long run. I think it is a bit inconsistent and maybe perhaps a bit uneven. And a lot of folks have criticized Atomic Blonde for this. I feel like the script is really the biggest point of criticism that this film has ultimately received, but I didn't find it necessarily too complicated or convoluted. I mostly just found it uneven in the way that it's told. It jumps around a lot that perhaps pretty important elements such as character and maybe even theme get a little bit lost in the shuffle. And when it comes to some of these characters, I really, I I could tell you what they were, but I had a hard time telling you who they were. And perhaps maybe some of these get a bit fleshed out as we build this John Wick atomic blonde cinematic universe that I think that is eventually going to happen at some point. Uh, I Um, I hope not. uh, Well, I I heard that David Leach said that he eventually wants uh, Charlize Theron's character to intertwine and mingle with John Wick at some point in a future film. I'm I don't quote me on that. I'm not sure if it's guaranteed or even official yet, but I think he's kind of poked fun at the idea. So if it does happen, maybe we'll get some more films to flesh out these characters a bit more. But they're mostly just quirks at this point. I I, I was fascinated watching them on screen. I think they have a lot of great energy. I but but they do get a little lost in the shuffle based on the unevenness of the script at times and some of its thematic notions I do want to get to I think felt a bit surface level in the long run. But in the end, you know, it came to a point that I found myself just not really caring about those things. And and mm. and, and, and and a film has to do a good job in making you oversee those flaws and still find mm. yourself having a good time. And I think in the case of Atomic Blonde, I think it does that. I agree because it all rests on Charlize Theron, her character, and her performance. Yeah, uh, her her performance is really what stands out in this film, and not just from uh, an acting uh, perspective, but also just a physical presence perspective. Yeah. You know, w- one thing that I was worried about when I first saw the trailer for this several months ago was was it, the way the trailer was cut felt like it 
it may be a bit exploitative, especially maybe uh, from the sexual uh, standpoint. Yeah. And and I was really worried about that. But while the camera does linger on her body uh, many times throughout the movie, it never felt exploitative. It never felt overly explicit. There is an There is an explicit sex scene. There is an explicit, you know, nude scene as she's recovering from her injuries. Yeah. But none of of it ever felt like it was lingering on her just for the sake of looking at a beautiful woman. Yeah, it never felt gratuitous in the long run. Exactly, exactly. It was only for the sake of uh, looking at her to, and it even builds her from a character perspective, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it establishes her, her vulnerabilities, her strengths, mostly. It, it just, it really, the camera is used to strengthen and embolden her in, mm-hmm. in multiple ways, you know? Yeah. And, and you feel that confidence in the way that she uh, is on screen, not just the way you know, that the uh, director and the cinematographer hold her on screen, but the way she carries herself on screen. And it's just so great to see someone like this who, when you look back in the early 2000s, was it like 2002 or something like that with Reindeer Games? Mm. You know, there's a very explicit uh, nude scene in there, which really doesn't serve any purpose other than the fact that it's it's written to be a nude scene to titillate yeah. and yeah. and you and you see how far she has come in her career and it's really heartening to see that uh, how much she has uh, earned along the way mm-hmm. you know and and that she is able to just uh, display this character with such um uh commitment and and uh, positivity and uh i don't know uh, it, it's just uh, very emboldening you know yeah there's there's a class and a maturity in the way that her character is depicted in this film which is something else i found very surprising and a lot of that does rest on charlie theron's performance which you know aside from the physical notions of her of her performance and the action scenes specifically it's actually a pretty understated performance and and the film spends a lot of time you know uh, visually mostly on her face as you said it doesn't become too gratuitous to focus on her on her sex appeal and and you know there is the uh, the trailers have marketed as well that there are uh, there is a sex scene in this film between her and or at least a at least a moment between her and Sophia Batello's character that the trailer has already indicated but it's done in a way that still maintains that sense of class and maturity and I think that actually helps reflect her character in a lot of ways too she has to do a lot of visual acting with her eyes here and the, and the way that the camera lingers on her face more than anything else, you sense that vulnerability that you're talking about. And there are the action sequences here that are really great visually, but what I found more fascinating is the way that those sequences crystallize because I found myself more fascinated with watching how Charlize Theron was reacting to things. And a great example is probably the most one of the most talked about moments in the film is this one take action sequence that takes place on the stairs. It's toward the film, the film's climax and it's a really long sequence that maybe goes on for almost, it feels like almost 10 minutes. Now it's made to look like one cut. You, those of us who've seen enough movies know that that's an editing trick. But what I found more fascinating was the way that it crystallized. It's actually surprisingly heartbreaking the way that it, the way that it actually goes. Mm. And I think it's Charlize Theron's performance that helps emulate those notions. And it's another element that really surprised me. I agree with you with how that is filmed and how uh, she is presented during that scene and how it, how it does end. But when, it, you know, going back to the storytelling uh, uh, of this movie, I think you can start to question her motivations of trying to save that asset, you know, and yeah, it's and it's convenient like, for the movie's sake. Exactly. And you wonder, well, wait a minute, what's the actual necessity? By the time you get to the end of the movie and you think back on that scene, you're like, 
was it really necessary? You know, <laughs> uh, you know so uh, you, you're right. You uh, mentioned at the opening of this uh, of this discussion, you know, the knock list and it, it the. The MacGuffin in this film is exactly that. You know, it's it's yeah. a copy essentially of the knock list from Mission Impossible, and it's right. it's uh, not original. You know, there, there's not much original from a storytelling perspective, other than the fact that you know she's uh, you know maybe bisexual, and that uh, nothing is really stated about her gender when it comes to being able to fight and keep up with the men that she uh, engages with in, in this film, right. you know, um, you know, other than those more modern, uh, you know, storytelling, I don't know, uh, ideas. Uh, I think otherwise, you know, there's nothing else really original about this film, but right. once again, it doesn't matter, you know, exactly. it doesn't matter because by the end of this film, you've, it's earned the viewer's respect of what you've come to see this for, and that's for her to kick butt. <laughs> I, I completely agree. And I'm glad you mentioned something there, too, which is something I very much agree with as well, is the film could have easily spent a lot of time delving into you know her sexuality or her gender or maybe you know perhaps the the politics of it if you will and the film doesn't really do that which i think leaves a lot of room for audience engagement to question where her where her character has been throughout much of her time at mi6 and i i actually found that element pretty fascinating that the film chose not to explain everything it may add to some of the some of the confusion, especially around the convoluted narrative that already does exist, and it, it, you're right, it's not original as well. But I think by by not explaining everything to us, there is a level of fascination here, which by the end of the film, despite me having a lot of problems with the narrative structure of this film, it made me want to see this character in another film still. And, and I think a lot oh, yeah. of that is, and it's not because I want these things explained, it's because I found fascinations in her character because of what wasn't explained. And I kind of like that mystery and that aura that it ultimately presents. And again, it goes back to Shelley Theron's performance as well. I agree. And, you know, it's it's also more of a, uh, of a vehicle, you know, of David Leach to... Uh, further this this evolution in modern action films that we've yeah. seen with the John Wick films, you know, and it's good that he doesn't bring nearly as much gunplay as he did with the John Wick films, and he that's another element that's able to make this movie stand on its own, you know, outside of those John Wick films is is all of the hand to hand combat that you see, yeah, you know, and and I just think that what we're seeing from an artistic uh, progression in action films is something uh, that we're very lucky to see, you know, at yeah. this point. Uh, we're very fortunate to see that these people have studied and learned not just how to uh, present action, but also to film it in a compelling manner, you know, mm -hmm. and progress progress the medium along. So we're we're seeing an evolution in three films that is is unlike it, it's it's certainly revolutionary. I would use the yeah. term revolutionary in, in in that we're going to look back on this era of uh, you know these years, these past five years or so, and say you know what there was an evolution. Uh, uh, you know, that is definitely, um, I think some, uh, film students are going to appreciate, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it's, it, it's great to see that he, he has, has that ability that, and he is able to, uh, 
have that visceral nature just uh, land on on the viewer as well, the audience, and mm-hmm. and it, I'm I'm just happy to be part of it, you know. Yeah, I I agree. There's some great visual storytelling here going on here too that I really absolutely love, and to be able to achieve that this grand scale with what is actually not a very big budget to these films. In a lot of ways, Atomic Blonde, even as well as the first John Wick, they're independent films, and you could still feel that in the final product, but it still feels very grand and visceral in scale. And I cannot wait to see what else David Leach has up his sleeve, specifically after this film, too. I know it's Deadpool 2, so I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. Uh, but I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm kind of optimistic and pessimistic about that notion at the same time. I don't, I don't, I don't really know if I can explain why. But needless to say, I can't wait to see what else he has up his sleeve alongside that. Um, for the sake of time, let's get the final thoughts and grades. So I'll toss it back to you, Tim. What final thoughts do you have and what grade would you give Atomic Bond? Yeah, I don't know how many more final thoughts I have, you know, because right. it, it's we've really expressed the the meat of this, you know. Uh, like mm. like I said though, uh, by the time you get to the end of this film, you may be a little bit confused by people's motivations or yeah. or just overall plot mechanics. Uh, but I don't think that really matters by the end because mm. you've experienced uh, something as I've said is is art. You know, it, it's it's an artistic action film, but don't take that as you know being hoity-toity or anything like that. It's it's something that's going to appeal to a broad audience. You know, right. so uh, kudos to David Leach, kudos to Charlize Theron for all the effort that she put in uh, to embody this character, to embody the. Uh, the action scenes, you know, and make them feel so real. Right. Uh, and and it seems like, uh, you know, they tried to rely less on stunt doubles and more on her, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is great to see. Uh, maybe one of the more of the weaker links for me is James McAvoy. You know, mm. uh, as I said on my main show is that I'm relatively hit and miss on James McAvoy. I think that he can have some pretty high highs, but then there are the times where I'm like, eh, I'm more indifferent towards him. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, and this one, you know, falls towards more of the middle uh, half of that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how well he was cast for this film. He maybe there could have been another actor that uh, could have filled the shoes a little bit more, okay. a little bit more convincing for what you know they're they're stating. You know who he is and and how long he's been in that location and what he's accomplished. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but once again, didn't take away from the film uh, nearly uh, at all. So uh, as far as grade, uh, I'll stick with my grade from uh, the first time watchers uh, episode of uh, A minus. All right. And one thing you talked about there for my final thoughts, and this is, this is a nice transition for me, is actually on James McAvoy. And perhaps I'm a little higher on him. Uh, in this film than you are and my problems were less on his performance and more so just the writing of his character which uh, it's it's not that his the writing of his character it's is thin it's just it's kind of randomized and then there are a few twists and turns with his character that felt so abrupt in a lot of ways and that kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of the overall criticisms that this film has with its script and a lot of these characters just kind of feel like they get kind of lost in the shuffle in a lot of ways John Goodman's also in this film Toby Jones is also in this film and really they're just here to be extra bodies in an interrogation room in a lot of ways they don't really do much else they have some pretty cool things to say uh, but I guess it can leave some people frustrated who are big fans of these actors to hope that they get a few more meat in these types of films and they're fine here it's not a big criticism but at the same time I I do want to criticize the script a little bit more in general and not just because some of these characters get a little lost in the shuffle but one of my favorite aspects of the film is that it's sort of 
even though it is a very predictable film and the trailers have made known that it is a very conventional story as well, there is some conventionality to it. I do respect that this film has some other notions on its mind, especially as it relates to political unrest, uh, tension between other cultures and other nations. And that's very much evident and appropriate by, set, by setting this uh, at the end of the Cold War in 1989 with the knocking of the Berlin Wall going on in the background. There's a, it's actually a very deliberate placement, and they use that as sort of a fuel to help kind of give motivation to the James McAvoy character, and I'll leave it at that for the sake of spoilers. But I, I do think the film's narrative prevents that from feeling a bit, feeling a bit more felt. And I really, like I, those, yeah. I really like those notions. I think they're very fascinating, and I think it would have been a much more interesting and maybe even more introspective experience if some of those notions were, you know, were able to breathe a little bit more. Uh, so it, perhaps it's a bit of a bias to maybe a subjective thing because I just really like those ideas that it was playing with. I just don't think it goes quite far enough with them. No, uh, I completely I completely agree with that point mm. because, you know, that was mentioned on, on our show too and, and I don't think that connection really landed. You know, it never really felt right. like it intermingled with... Uh, the main characters in this film because every every background character is just so in the background there's never yeah. any any background characters really interacting with the main characters so that there's a definite separation there there absolutely is and i think that's a great way of putting it and if it would if the script would were allowed to kind of tighten some of those elements up i think it would have been a much stronger film so i think because of that i can't quite go as far as giving this an a minus uh, even though even though in the long run, David Leach's direction is able to alleviate a lot of those flaws in the writing because the film is still such a viscerally felt action experience. And because of that, I'd be willing to go as far as to give this a B plus. I really think it is a lot of fun in the long run. And I do think people should go out and go out and see it, but they have to know exactly what they're getting into. It is a very derivative story. We've seen it before. It's also going to leave you confused by the end. But you might not care about those things. And myself and Tim here didn't quite care about those things in the long run, and it's still a very fun film, and we cannot wait to see this world explored again. If you want to see some more of our thoughts, not only go check out the First Time Watchers podcast and hear their review on Atomic Blonde, but you can also go to InsertionFilm.com where we have a full review of this, and if you have listened to us here and you agree or disagree with what we had to say about Atomic Blonde, you can also leave us a comment on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash InsertionFilm. You could tweet us at InsertionFilm or email us directly at InsertionFilm at gmail.com. We're not done yet though in the back half of the show we'll be going to the world of netflix once again to talk about the netflix original film the incredible jessica james so stay tuned everyone we'll be right back
This week's extra film segment is brought to you by our good friends over at the True Bromance Film Podcast. This podcast is a pair of bros that we here over at Incession Film absolutely love, hosted by Hiro and Barry, and you won't find a better pairing and perhaps chaotic pairing of co-hosts anywhere else than here at the True Bromance Film Podcast. Their banter and chemistry is such a joy and sometimes a riot to listen to, but doesn't that sometimes make for the best podcast? We couldn't recommend their show enough. Each week, they'll pick out a newly released film to review and discuss on their show, and they'll also have other discussions around that said film, uh, other movies that they've recently seen, as well as other topics that they'll discuss to make it for a truly wonderful experience. You can find them at truebromancefilm.com, as well as all the other social media and podcast platforms out there. Just search for True Bromance Film, and you can also subscribe to them on iTunes and on Stitcher. But if you go to their website, which is once again truebromancefilm.com, all of their information is there to help you out. We love these guys, and we know you will too. Again, that is the True Bromance Film Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Jason Michael. And I'm Lee Brady, and we're the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. We're a podcast that looks to analyze what makes films great with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh. New releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. You can find the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio... And if you're looking for a more direct approach, you can find us on Twitter. Just look for Jason Michael at Atlantic SC and Lee Brady at Big Pick Reviews. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Hello, cinephiles. This here is Matt Neglia, part of NextBestPicture.com, and I have one question to ask you. Do you feel like Leonardo DiCaprio really deserved it for The Revenant last year? Do you think somebody else should have won Best Actor? Well, on our podcast called The Next Best Picture Podcast, myself, Will, Michael, and Kristen discuss that and more as we are always looking for the best in film today and what will ultimately win the Best Picture Oscar. Join us as we review films, talk about the latest news in the awards race, as well as the film industry itself. Thank you very much for your consideration. Hey, see what I did there? You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast Extra Film Segment. Tim, I'm not prisoner to any system. You just pretended to eat poo out of a diaper, so... I'm tall, I'm pretty, I'm smart, I am a cocoa queen. Obviously, I will have many great loves in my life. No offense, but I don't even know if I want to be here right now. Oh, well, why would I be offended by that? I thought this would be good for me to help me get over this guy I thought I was in love with, but this whole thing is making me think of him more intensely. Cool. I'm getting a lot of inquiries regarding your status. It's my raw feminine energy. Hey, ladies, you're all queens. Do you only have one vibrator? Do you have more than one vibrator? Has one man ever fulfilled all of your needs? The incredible Jessica James. All right, The Incredible Jessica James is written and directed by Jim Strauss, and it stars Jessica Williams of The Daily Show fame, and also stars Chris O'Dowd, Lakeith Stanfield, as well as a few others as well. It tells the story of an aspiring playwright in New York who strikes up a friendship with a guy while on a rebound from a breakup. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is yet another Netflix original film who have been... I, I don't know if I would say on a roll, but they have been busy in the film business. Apparently, after the shakeup at the Com Film Festival, they are really trying to make a name for themselves that they don't only do TV, they also do films. Some of them have been great, some of them not so much, but when it comes to the incredible Jessica James, I'll toss it to you first, Tim. How did this Netflix film live up to you? 
Hmm. Uh, film is uh, an interesting word to use with this because it never really felt like a film to me. Okay. Um, this is this is something where uh, it's funny. I, I actually just finished watching the first season of Aziz Ansari's uh, Master of None. Oh, nice. Which is also which is also streaming on Netflix, and. And I got a lot of the same vibes while watching this movie. And I, I thought to myself, this does not seem like a movie. It seems like an Amazon pilot. It seems mm. like uh, an Amazon pilot that was never picked up or the, the pilot to a television series that I would have loved to explore these characters in a 10, 12 episode television series. I think that mm. would have been much more interesting because it never felt like a formal film to me. There's barely an arc in this film, even from a narrative standpoint, uh, there's barely an arc. Uh, it, it's just more these experiences of this, uh, this lady, this millennial, she, she's a millennial and, yeah. and bo boy, did I feel old while watching this film? Because <laughs> That's because, why I'm here. I'm the baby of this crew right now. <laughs> I've never felt so disconnected from um, a generation of people while watching this. And, and I think I may have even felt a little bit of that with, uh, with uh, Master of None because there's, okay. there's a lot of similarities uh, uh, where you have this individual, this mo millennial in New York City trying to, uh, trying to make it as a playwright, you know, a very niche <laughs> area, you know, that yeah. she's trying to, to make it in. And, and the way she interacts with people is is really unique, you know, and it's it's something that I think I've seen in the younger generation uh, nowadays and, mm. and how they're they're choosing to interact with people. There's a lot more uh, bluntness with with uh, truth uh, mm. and the reality of the situations. They there's just a lot uh, seems like a lot less uh uh, time wasting, you know, they just want to get to the point. Right. Uh, and, you know, and that's fine, you know, it's fine, but I, I felt uh, just a disconnect in my, my being able to relate to a lot of these people. Sure. Um, now, I will say that Jessica Williams, she's she's great in this. She, she is, uh, mm. has a wonderful personality. She has a wonderful presence that, that comes across, you know, uh, I don't find really much fault in the way that she characterizes this, this person, you know, this, this, uh, this individual, uh, and, and I, I mean, I, I guess from a certain perspective, I, I connected with her, uh, desire, you know, to make it in this world, if you will, Hmm. Um, but there's so many elements of this, this, uh, this movie that feel like parts of a television, uh, episode, you know, her, her interactions with Chris O'Dowd, her going back home, uh, hmm. and, and seeing that, uh, where, where she's coming from, you know, she, she lives in a rundown apartment in New York city, but she's from, uh, oh, relatively well-to-do upper middle class right uh ohio i think it is yeah. uh, uh family you know and and that isn't really explored you see a, a big difference between personalities and her and her sister uh and that is never really fully explored there's only one scene essentially between the two of them um mm -hmm. and and only really one or two scenes with her parents uh, and then you go right back to New York City. So this is only an hour and 25 minutes, and it's a film that either... Look, I'm not asking for a longer film at all, actually. Right. Be, uh, and I don't think that would have served 
uh, this movie for the positive, you know, if it was any longer. <laughs> sure. Um, I just think that it, it felt like a, a television series that was um, given to uh, Netflix or Amazon and both of them said, no, I don't think we're going to pick it up. If you, uh, if you cut this down to movie length, we'll, we'll put it on our streaming service. And, and mm-hmm. that's what they did, you know? Yeah. And in fact, it was actually reminiscent of sitcoms of the late 1980s for me. The way that the, uh, the font was actually uh, uh, visualized during the opening credits, for instance. And, and, and I, I, I think that was deliberate, but I can understand where that might be a bit of a disconnect for some people in some ways. I will say in the long run, though, the Incredible Jessica James is a pretty difficult film for me to review objectively. And I think a lot of it really does come down to something you were just talking about there, Tim. And that's kind of maybe related to uh, generation gaps of sorts. I think if you can find a way to relate to this predicament of our central character here, I think there's more you're going to be able to latch on to. And you could say that about a lot of movies, not just this movie in particular, but I do think there that this film, The Incredible Jessica James here specifically, it does come with a lot more room to play with subjective feelings versus objective ones as well. And someone like myself who is, I mean, no offense, I am much younger than you. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, but I, not much younger, but I am younger. I will say, I'm st- as I'm still part of this millennial generation, I will also say coming out of college, I was also very much in tune with, you know, the arts, theater. I was in a theater club in college as well. I have a lot of friends that I know of right now that are currently living in New York City, trying to make it in some way, whether it be acting, something behind the stage of sorts. There is a lot within this film, then, that I can find a relation to in some ways. And perhaps that's why I might be a little higher on it than you, even though I do agree with a lot of what you're saying, especially as it comes to some of the film's uh, uh, narrative, some of the writing, some of the way that it infused conflict in the midst of all these other interactions that that Jessica Williams's character of Jessica James has with other people. And it does feel a bit unfocused at times. Not only that, it feels like it's kind of playing against its own rules in some way with the film's themes and I want to get into some of that and it introduces conflicts that don't really come together in the end sometimes I feel a bit forced and perhaps a bit extraneous Uh, but the reason why this really does work in the long run for me not just because of how much I'm able to find a personal connection to this type of story but it is Jessica Williams's performance and the reason why this has to work so well is it's a film that never does feel culturally specific and she's Mm -hmm. able to find something open-minded about her while there is a lot of truth in her character and honesty and being true to yourself are really some of the more heavy thematic notions here. Her performance is very important in allowing her to be a bit of a slate that we can find a relation to her in some capacity, whether you can relate to the specific scenario or not. On top of that, she's just incredibly endearing. This is a performance that could have gone so south with how, in in a lot of ways, it is pretty overacted at times. It is a comedic performance, after all. But she's able to find a balance between the immaturity of her character while still trying to find that struggle that real life has to offer. And I think that's beautifully balanced in some of her classroom sequences as she works as kind of this uh the, this teacher of sorts for a group of children in, in who are who are looking at theater at, in, in some capacity and in those scenes it creates a beautiful balance between her being responsible but also a bit frivolous at the same time and that's something i found incredibly fascinating in the long run i think Jessica Williams's performance helps emulate that 
I will say again, and I'll get to those a little bit toward the end of this review, that there are issues I have with the script, and I'll get to some of the more specifics later. But Jessica Williams's performance, I think, holds it together. Some of the relatability I have with this story, perhaps it is a bit biased and subjective, but a lot of that still worked for me in the long run. Yeah, I can't completely agree with with how that balance is handled because of the script that that you mentioned. You know, okay, and and I, I just think that you know so many elements of this film feel so separated from each other. You know, like the interaction with her students, her interaction with her gay best friend. You know, mm. and uh, and. Uh, her interaction with Chris O'Dowd and her interaction with her family. All of these things feel so separated. And then there there are times where the, the, uh, the movie starts to focus on just Chris O'Dowd and his character and him stalking his ex-wife. Yeah. That didn't need to be here. You're starting to steal some of my thunder. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think (laughs) that that is, those are elements there where it would be much better served where, Oh, we, we can spend one episode dedicated to Chris O'Dowd and how he, you know, he's seeing this relationship from his side, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, how, what he's doing with his personal time and how he's interacting with everybody else in his life you know so that's why i think this would have been so much better served as as a as a television series you know to explore all these little elements that would come together by the end of the uh the 10 or 12 episodes you know Mm -hmm. and you know and i know that's not really fair uh to do that to uh a film, you know, like this, you know, I don't think it's the fairest thing, but that's honestly what I saw. Now, you know, there, there are some interesting things, you know, that where her character starts, you know, to question, uh, social constructs, social norms, you know, and the fact that she decides to, uh, openly question those things, you know, it was a, it seems to be a very younger millennial thing nowadays. And, and, you know, while every generation has had conflicts of, you know, certain social constructs and, and social norms, uh, and those have been whittled away over the past, uh, you know, 50, 60 or so years, uh, to be able to lead to something like this, it, it is it is interesting to see. But once again, never fully, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, never fully explored, never fully, uh, you know, dive, no big uh, deep dive, you know? Yeah, and this is exactly my biggest problem with the film. And something I mentioned in my opening thoughts is that the narrative is a bit unfocused at times. There are a bit ex- of, of extraneous conflicts here or there that don't always come together. When I said that that balance really worked, it really does come down for me mostly to Jessica Williams's performance. And she's able to find some through line in a few of these notions. And I guess, for example, the way that there is a pretty jarring juxtaposition between her moments with her classroom and her class specifically and then the moments that she shares with Chris O'Dowd's character that's all stuff I would love to keep in this final product I think all of those moments work and I found that juxtaposition very fascinating the scene where she goes back to her sister's baby shower I think that could have been taken completely out of the film for me personally and I think it's because those notions of distancing that she ultimately feels with her family that was noticeable even without having to actually go there. And, and I don't think it was ultimately necessary in the long run. I also agree with you about uh, giving, almost giving Chris O'Dowd's character of Boone, his name is, a bit of an arc in some ways. While I understand why they did that and the nature of a, 
80-minute film, I think it does feel a bit forced in a lot of ways. And a lot of this becomes a bit counterintuitive, too, for a film that is ultimately about being brutally honest and how that is uh, almost a cure of sorts to be able to open up and break free from what's actually holding you back. Some of these notions, because they feel so forced and some of these conflicts feel a bit extraneous at times, they don't really feel honest in the long run. So it's a bit of a, it, it becomes kind of like it's breaking its own rules in some ways, too. It's true. You know, it's true. I, I, I honestly can't say it any better. You know, I think uh, you, you put it perfectly. Um, but the, the most positive thing I can say, once again, is Jessica Williams. You know, uh, I, I'm not that completely familiar with uh, uh, everything that she did on The Daily Show. I right. did see some parts and I liked everything that I did see from her. Yeah. I, I think that she carries a, over a great uh, personality, a great you know, persona. And I think she tries her best with, uh, some of the observational stuff that, that, uh, she brings to the table, uh, mm -hmm. here, you know, it, it's just, um, the limitations that we've been talking about. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, for the sake of time though, let's get to our final thoughts on this film. So I'll toss it back to you, Tim, to kind of round things out. What final thoughts do you have on the incredible Jessica James and what grade would you give it? Uh, I like the opening of this film. I like the dance sequence. I oh, thought she great. was, yeah. she was fun in that, you know, uh, uh, we haven't really touched on her relationship with her ex, you know, and some of the sequences where she dreams him up uh, cer during certain times. I thought th those were pretty inventive, you know. Yeah. Uh, would have, you know, I keep going back. I, I hate to do it, but keep going back. That would have been a better served as a narrative arc over a 10 episodes uh, series. Yeah. Um, I can, if I might jump in there, I can agree yeah. with that too. I, I, I thought each moment that she shares with him in those, uh, in those fantasy sequences of sorts, I found them pretty inventive. I think the way they all crystallized were, even though you knew what, you know how they're going to be crystallized and how they're going to end, the, it, I still found them surprising in the long run in a lot of ways. And I like Lakeith Stanfield's performance there too. And I think he helps kind of add some levity there here and there as well. Uh, but I do agree. It, 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 because of how, how tightly compacted it is, it doesn't feel like it's ultimately progressing to something then. Agreed, especially with, uh, you know, without spoiling it, you know, how it, how the movie ends uh, with her interaction with him and then ultimately with Chris O'Dowd, you know? Yeah. Uh, so no, you're right. The, the crystallization just isn't there. Um, but, uh, you know, you can do worse to find, uh, there are worse, um, Netflix original films yeah. uh, that have been released this year. Uh, there have been better, of course, but uh, oh, yeah. I think you you can do worse than this. Uh, I think you would be at the very least entertained by Jessica Williams' performance mm -hmm. uh, and and some of her, if not most of her interactions with Chris O'Dowd, at least just on the one on one sequences. Yeah. You know, so as a grade, you know, like I said, formally as a film, it just doesn't really hit all that well, so I think the best I could do is a C plus. Okay, well, I definitely am a little bit higher on it in the long run then. Perhaps maybe I'll go back to that and say there is a lot of subjective feelings I have to this film because there are elements that I very much can relate to, and one of them being, you know, the not just the artistic and theater side of things, but the idea that this is a character that is so brutally honest and how that sometimes is a, uh, it leads to rewards for her and it's also a bit of a detriment at the same time a detriment uh, as an example and how she has this she has this argument with one of her own students about trying to bring her to this writer's weekend a field trip of sorts failing to realize that this young girl actually wants to spend time with her father so then you're able to 
get a sense that uh, Jessica James is infusing her own past into this scenario and it makes her character flawed and I like that about it yet at the same time the interaction that she has the first blind date with Chris O'Dowd's character of Boone it leads to a moment where they just flat out and say let's be brutally honest with each other and all of a sudden the conversation between them becomes incredibly endearing and I found it very fascinating to see that kind of juxtaposition working hand in hand then so I really respected that the film had those notions but didn't really have a clear answer or a clear right or wrong between them. But it's be- it's a bit ironic that some of its other conflicting threads, as we said, kind of breaks those rules in some ways, and they don't feel very honest, and they feel forced in the grand scheme of things. I kind of wonder, now that we've been talking about this, Tim, that if this were stretching to maybe like a 10-episode arc, or maybe even, I mean, you could probably get away with like an 8- or 7-episode arc if you wanted to keep it more brief. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it kind of makes me wonder how that would have been, because I probably, I probably would be a bit higher on it in the long run then, but... Needless to say, I do think there is enough here to recommend those. Just just take the 80 minutes and watch it. You're right. There are a lot of worse films out there as far as Netflix is concerned. Recently, we just reviewed the latest film with Lily Collins and To the Bone. And while I do think Lily Collins gives an exceptional performance in that film, I would take The Incredible Jessica James over that film, even objectively. I think it is still a better film in the long run. I do think there are, that there are better things here as well. As far as a grade, I would give this... Uh, I'm kind of torn, but I because I am torn, I'll just take the safe route. I'll just give it a solid B. I do recommend it. I think it is a I think it is a good time, especially if you're able to find enough to relate to from a subjective standpoint. And Jessica Williams is very good here. If you want to see some more thoughts, be sure to check out our Letterbox page where JD shared a few thoughts on this film as well. You can check that out at letterbox.com/slash/insessionfilm. And if you have watched The Incredible Jessica James, let us know if you agree or disagree with what myself or Tim just had to say. Leave us a comment on Facebook, Twitter or email us at insessionfilm at gmail.com. Anyway, that will do it for this week's Extra Film. Just a friendly reminder, you can follow us on social media. You can find us on all those various networks by just searching for Incession Film. Once again, our email address is insessionfilm at gmail.com. Hit us up there, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, but please leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate some feedback there. And our podcasts are also syndicated every week at geekcastradio.com and the Lamb Podcast Network. You can also check out our Listen Now page on our website at insessionfilm.com slash listen dash now but none of this would be possible without our great supporters and listeners like you you want if you want to help us there are many ways that you can do that you can simply go to our bonus content tab on our website click on that bonus content tab to hear everything we do there for just a small donation of 99 cents or you can go to the incession film store as well or simply just go to incessionfilm.com slash donate and you'll see all of our information there and how you can help us Lastly, though, I highly recommend checking out everything we do under one roof with our mobile app, which you can get for just a one-time fee of $1.99. And you can find that app on the Amazon market for Android devices, the Windows 10 phone store for Windows devices, and the podcast or source app for iOS devices. You can find those details on our site at sectionfilm.com slash apps. Before we get out of here, though, Tim, once again, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate you filling out on such short notice, and it's always a pleasure to have just you and me on. We got to do this more often. I agree. Less JD, more Brendan. <laughs> I love you too, man. Uh, we pimp out your show every single main show that we do, but for those of, for those listeners that don't quite get to that point in the show, how dare you if you don't listen that far? Why don't you pimp out First Time Watchers for a little bit where we can find you guys? Patreon.com slash First Time Watchers. That's Patreon.com 
slash first time watchers. Mm. Give us money. We, we love money. <laughs> Who doesn't really great stuff there? Be sure to check out the first time watchers podcast. Listen to their most recent episode on Atomic Blonde to get a few more additional thoughts on that film alongside what we just had to talk about here. Really great stuff. We highly recommend the first time watchers podcast. Before we get out of here, though, Tim, any final thoughts on anything before we leave today? I, I love you. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Hashtag no uh, pants. Hashtag no <laughs> pants. Yeah. I I just want to recommend people watch uh, the series on Netflix, Ozark. I'm about, oh, wow. five epi- I'm about five episodes in, and I highly, highly recommend it. It is great. Okay. I will take your word for it on that. I know the reviews for it have been, I guess, you know, mixed to positive, I guess you can say. I, I take... I take criticism on TV shows almost with a small grain of salt these days. I feel like they're very difficult to review. A lot of them, you're basically reviewing the first two episodes, and you're expected to give a critical analysis on a television show, and that's not really fair. Uh, So needless to say, I'll be willing to check it out because I really respect your opinion on TV shows in the long run. We have a lot of similar tastes, and we'll be talking about Better Call Saul when it comes back on again all day all night as far as far as final thoughts from me be sure to check out our next main show coming up this weekend where we will be discussing the latest from Catherine bigelow and mark bowl with the film detroit and we will be talking about our top three historical events as depicted in film a lot of information to cover there but it should be a lot of fun but anyway thank you everyone for listening we'll see you guys next time on the incession film podcast As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.